Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning comes from John's Gospel, chapter 14. John's Gospel here in... uh, Chapter 14 will serve as the basis for our sermon message this morning. And so we stand to give respect and honor and glory to the word and the works of Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered him, Lord, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Last fall, my family and I took a trip to my wife Emily's childhood home in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb just outside Atlanta. We went there and a lot of things had changed, but what had not changed was my wife's memories of the place that she grew up. When we got there, we got to visit her childhood home, the first home that her family lived in when they moved there. We drove around the block and my wife pointed out the bus stop that she got picked up at on her way to school every day. Then we stopped at a park and we let our kids out to play. And this was not just any old park. Now, this was the park that Emily learned to ride a bike, where she played softball, where she went rollerblading with all of her friends. We got back in our car and we made our way to the home that her family moved to while they lived there. We passed by the elementary school and even drove into the parking lot where she went to school. We saw the pools where she had swimming lessons and had swim meets. And finally, we got to go to the church that she grew up in. Now, I could have gone on that trip 
all by myself. My wife could have just texted me the address to all those places and said, hey, the next time you're traveling, maybe flying through the ATL airport and you have a layover, just you know, go to some of the sites. Could have done that. Also, we could have just sat on our couch, you know, brought up maps, Google Earth, zoomed in and looked at it. But that wouldn't have been the same. If I went by myself, that would have kind of been disconnected from, well, my wife. If we just sat there on the couch and looked at it, that would have been kind of a shallow experience. Now, for this trip to have any meaning, and it did, in fact, have a great deal of meaning, I needed to be there and experience all that, not just in the presence of buildings and places, but in the presence of my wife, Emily. There, seeing all of those sights and experiencing all of those things with her, someone whom at the time I had been married to for eight years and known since I was 14, well, I got to know her even more. Together, our relationship got to grow even deeper as together we got to experience the fullness of life in that place and along the way. I thought about that trip and that experience when I read our gospel lesson, the basis of our sermon message this morning. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. What did Jesus mean when he said, I am the way? Jesus did not mean that I am a road, nor did he mean that I am some itinerary, just a list of places that you have to get to. And when Jesus said, I am the way, rather than a list of places or a road, Jesus was saying that I am a friend, a companion who goes with you on this journey of life. When Jesus said that I am the way, he meant that he was not just some kind of thing that you could look at from afar, you know, experience at your own leisure, just a screen type of thing. No, he was in fact someone who goes with you, who is with you and is the one who infuses all of life with depth and meaning. This morning, we're gonna explore what Jesus meant when he said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're gonna do it in a way where we, where we maybe look at it from the opposite side, where we look at what Jesus did not mean when he said that. Jesus was speaking to his disciples on Monday, Thursday, on the night just hours before he would be arrested and would later go on to die for the sins of the world. There, he said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus' disciples were troubled. If you think about what they had been experiencing that week, it was quite troubling. Jesus, who came and who promised to give life, talked about how he was going to die. What's more, rumors were starting to spread and become quite loud that People were, in fact, seeking to kill Jesus. Not just Jesus, they were going to kill some of his followers too. This guy, Lazarus, that Jesus raised to life. At this time and at this place, Jesus' disciples were full of anxiety, full of restlessness. 
And so before Jesus goes to accomplish his mission, he speaks to him a simple message. Don't let your heart be troubled. And what he does in the remaining 10 verses and then some is he gives reasons why they don't need to be troubled. He says this first. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Again, Jesus is just giving his disciples reasons why their hearts don't need to be troubled, why they can feel confident. Jesus said, look, I'm going somewhere, but it's, it's going to my father's house to prepare a place so that you will have a place there, and I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. You know the way. You know the way that this is going to go down. I'm the way. What did Jesus' disciples do? Well, they open up a Q&A session. Thomas says, uh, Jesus, now we don't know. We don't know the way. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? You see what lies behind Thomas's question, don't you? It's this idea that, okay, Jesus, you're doing this, but now show us what we need to do. Just, just give us a list, if you will, an itinerary, so that you and I can, we can be there too. This is Thomas, the equivalent of me saying to my wife, ah, this trip, it sounds great and all, but just give me a list of places and I'll do it. This is the first error, the first thing that we're looking at that Jesus does not mean when he says, I am the way. It's that Christianity is this sort of do-it-yourself journey. That we can look at what Jesus has done and think, okay, now <laughs> this is good to show me what I need to do. And so often people who even know Jesus and know that he's the way, the truth, and the life, we, when you and I treat it that way, don't we? We look at what Christianity entails, and, and we know we should go to church. So we do that. And when we go to church, there's things that our, our church does, so we should be a part of those. We should, we should serve. We should, we should do things like be at certain events, like small groups and, and service opportunities. So we treat it just like this do-it-yourself journey where we do one thing after another. Jesus is the way. I do the kind of good things that he did. Or maybe we come at it from a different angle, but it's still the same. We know that Christianity has teachings, truths, doctrines. And so we learn them. We learn what they are. We even memorize what these things are that the Bible teaches, and we know them. But you see, it's disconnected. It's disconnected from Christ. We lose the forest through the trees, if you will, how all of these teachings, they, they point to Christ, how all of these things that the Christian church does are to proclaim Christ and receive from Christ, well, his gifts. Is it any wonder that just like me traveling to my wife's hometown without her would be rather disconnected from her. 
we experience a Christianity that's rather disconnected when we treat it like a do-it-yourself journey. The things don't really make sense. The things don't really connect to my life. It's the people who are trying to do it their own way, live Christianity as a sort of list of activities or a list of things to believe that Jesus gently, gently says this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is pretty straightforward in telling his disciples, you know the way, because you know me. You know the way to salvation. You know the way to the Father, to the place that I have prepared for you, because you know me. I'm not some list of things to do or places to go. I'm someone who, who goes with you all the way. And what do his disciples do? They open back up the Q&A session. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and well, that'll be enough for us. I mean, think about that for a moment. Jesus drops one of the most cherished verses, now cherished verses, of all of Christianity, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what do his disciples say in response? Uh, yeah, that, that sounds nice, Jesus. Actually, if you just show us the Father, that, that'll be enough for us. Translation, Jesus, you, what you're saying, well, you can be a part of that, but like, it's not enough. You're not enough. That's the second error, if you will, that we see Christianity as a sort of trip from the crouch. What we have here is the equivalent of Philip saying, ah, Jesus, you know, just show us the Father, that'll be enough. It's the equivalent of me saying to my wife, who comes to me and says, hey, I want to go on this trip back to my childhood hometown, and me saying, ah, meh. why don't you just grab the iPad and we sit on the couch here and we, we look it up on Google Earth. That, that'll be enough for us, right? Very often, Christians try to define what it means to be a Christ follower on their own terms, on, well, maybe a schedule that is comfortable for them. Jesus says in his word very clearly what it looks like to follow him. Jesus says, pick up your cross and, and follow me. And yet, you and I say, Lord, eh. Maybe just give me a pain-free and very comfortable existence. That'll be enough for me. <laughs> Trust me, I, I don't need all that other stuff. Jesus says, look, I want you to humble yourself. Like Christ, I, I want you to serve others. Consider others more highly than, than you think of yourself. We say, <laughs> Ah, uh, Jesus, <laughs> that sounds pretty difficult. Just 
give me a lot of good relationships and that'll be enough for me. Jesus says, I want you to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. I say, Lord, I want you to bless me so that I can have all the things and do all the things that I want. And well, trust me, I'll still follow you because that'll be enough for me. It's defined as this sort of Christianity from the couch kind of way where we say what's enough and we say how Jesus can be enough for us. And yet it is to both the do-it-yourselfers, the Thomases, and the Phillips, those who want to do it their own way, that Jesus again gently, gently speaks to them. And it is after Jesus washes his disciples' feet, after he predicts to Peter that he would deny him, after Jesus points to his betrayer, after Jesus endures the Q&A session from his disciples, that still gently, 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 Jesus points you and me, his disciples, to himself in this way. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. My prayer for you is that through this sermon, the Holy Spirit helps you understand ever more fully, ever more deeply what Jesus means when he says, I am the way. But here Jesus just puts it really, really simply. What does it mean that I am the way? Jesus says, I'm it. Jesus says, just look at me. See me. I am the way. To all the Thomases who think that Christianity or, or following me is some kind of DIY trip, you know, just see me. I am the way, Jesus says. And, and Jesus' way is one of forgiveness. Jesus' way is one of forgiveness where he took on the Father's wrath for you. And so that means no matter what you yourself do, all the DIYs, good or bad or ugly, you have forgiveness for them. Jesus said, I am the way. And he showed us that his way is one that went through the grave, but didn't stay there. It resulted in life so that you and I look at what we could never do, and that is defeat sin, defeat death itself. No, those are projects that we could not take on our own. Jesus now says that there's nothing that can separate you from my love, not Satan, not any force of evil, not even the grave itself. Jesus says, I am the way. And his way required perfection. It required that he did everything himself perfectly so that as you and I step back and we, we look out 
at all of the DIY self-salvation projects that we have started and left unfinished or even worse, ruined. Jesus says, look, it's not about your perfection, but it's about knowing the direction that you are headed. And you are headed to a place that I have prepared for you because I am the way. I am the way. I am the way. And my way did not just remain in the grave or come out of the empty tomb. It actually ascended on high. And there I have prepared a place for you. I'm going there and I'm coming back to take you with me. I am the way there. That's what Jesus says to all of the Thomases out there and to all the Phillips, all of the Phillips that see Christianity as this sort of, I can just do it on my own terms or, or do it in, in a schedule that's comfortable to me. Jesus says to you and to me, to Phillips all over the world, I want you to see me. I want you to see unequivocally that I and the Father, we are one. And so that you have no doubts that as I and the Father am one, so you are one with me. If you don't believe my words, look at my works. I am the Father. I am the one who went to the grave and then arose from the grave to show you the breadth of my love. I'm the one who ascended on high and is seated there ruling all things to show you the depth of my power and my love for you. So that you know, wherever you go, on this journey called life, on this trip called Christianity following me, your journey is one founded in the certainty of the hope of heaven. Your journey is one that is founded in love. It is a saving journey because it is with me all of the way. Look, I don't know where life will take any of us. And yet here's the really cool thing. That Jesus, he might be calling you to challenging circumstances or relationships. He might be calling you to, to follow him in a way that is uncomfortable, maybe even a struggle. In fact, we know that much to be true because Jesus equated the cross with following him. He said, deny yourselves, pick up your cross. That's what, that's what following me is. And yet here is the comfort and the hope that we have. The good news is that Jesus is not just a way but he is the way and his way is long enough to lead through suffering. Jesus is not just a truth, but he is the truth so that you can know without any doubt what you have in him. You have forgiveness, you have hope, you have heaven. Jesus is not just a life, but he is the life. He is life clearly seen clearly seen in him forever with him in heaven. And so that you know, as you journey with him, as you go forth in all of your callings, you don't travel alone. You travel with one who is the way, the truth, and the life. You always have enough. Okay, I couldn't, couldn't leave it alone. Because we're a church that's called the way, I gotta make this connection. But it's not about the word, actually. It's about the icon, the logo. You guys recognize that? 
That icon, that logo, you might have seen before. It's called the Jesus Fish or the Ictus Fish. And the reason why it serves as our church's logo is because when this church was starting out in 2016, we met with our graphic designer, someone named Carissa Nelson, and we said, Carissa, we are going to be called The Way Church. And as such, we need to make sure that in our logo, there is not a road, there is not a path, there is not anything like that, because that's not what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way. She said, no, that's good. I get all that. So what do you want it, what do you want it to be? I said, I don't, know. I don't know. But I'm still moved by what Carissa came back with because she came back with the fish symbol. It's an ancient Christian symbol. And perhaps you know this, but it has quite a bit of meaning. It's an acronym or an acrostic for, well, Jesus' most beautiful titles. Ictus is the Greek word for fish, and it forms this acrostic with some of the most wonderful names about the way, that he is Yezu, Christos. He's Jesus Christ. He is Theu Huyos. He is the Son of God. And he is Soter. He is your Savior and mine. Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Savior kind of interesting to think about that the very first Christians, who, by the way, called themselves the way, but that's a sermon for another day, had a logo of a fish. And the reason why they did it was to keep Jesus in front of them. It was to keep Jesus in front of them in such a way that they knew, they knew that, that that being his follower, it wasn't this list of things to do or things to have, but it was, well, a state of being, being in a relationship with him, one in which we could just be at rest, our hearts at rest, knowing that we have what he has. He is the way. He is someone who's with us all the way. He is the truth. We know what we have in him and we know he's the father and we know he and the father are one. He's the life. He is the life of forgiveness, a life that is ours in eternity, but a life that is not just something waiting for us, but is here and now, a new creation. The old is done away, the new is here. Yeah, that's why I love our church's logo. It's because... While it's, yes, just a fish when you see it, it's a reminder of what we have, what we have in Jesus, Jesus ever before us. That's what Jesus was giving to his disciples in this, in this text. The night before he would die for the sins of the world, he sort of just reached across to them, put his hand on their shoulder, and said, you're right, you're going on the right proverbial path. You're going the right way. And sometimes that's just what people need to hear. That's just what Christians need to hear. A personal story. I was finishing up my vicar year, what we call our internship year. And it was a really exciting year because of a lot of big life-changing things happened over that year. All in a weekend, I got engaged to Emily. The very next day, got offered a job to get to teach and be a dorm supervisor at one of our, our church body's prep schools. 
And yet I said yes to that job, if I'm being honest with you, just because I viewed it as, as a safe rest stop around the journey that we call life. Not gonna lie, I had some big questions at the end of my internship year if this whole career path, this whole being a pastor thing was really what I should do. So at the end of your year, you have a sit-down, a big comprehensive review with your, with your lead pastor. And I shared with him that I'm having some doubts. If I'm on the right path, the right, the right way, so to speak, in life. And they're sitting at Starbucks. I don't remember what my bishop, my senior pastor, Tim Spielberg, said exactly. But I do remember that he just reached across put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, yeah, you got a lot of good choices in life, but I think you are on the right path. Here's why I know you're headed the right way. You've probably had those experiences in life. Someone just encourages you, just reassures you that it's gonna be okay, that you're going the right way. And Christian friends, that's what you have here in John 14. It's your Savior, Jesus, just, just reaching across the table, actually bringing his chair alongside of you, putting his hand on your shoulder, and he said, it's okay. Don't be discouraged. You're growing the right way because you're with me, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.